Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. For their wickedness has come up before me. So listen to what God does. When God's response to the, the wickedness of Nineveh coming up to him, right, being made known to him, God's response was to send someone with his word. God's first response wasn't, let's get them. I've heard how wicked they are, I'ma smoke them. I heard how terrible they are, let me judge them. God's first inclination was, as their wickedness has come up before me, God, I'ma send someone with a message that, that they might get saved. In today's message, Pastor Bill speaks about the story of Jonah and how God sent him to give his message to non-believers in Nineveh. The Ninevites were very evil people, brutal and destructive. Yet the Bible says that despite their wickedness, God's response was to send someone to preach to them rather than striking them down. This parallels the story of Jesus Christ, right? Despite how far we're falling from God's grace, God still loves us and wants us to be with him in eternity. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Jonah chapter one for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Jonah is a little four chapter book it's about a rebellious prophet. He has an eight word message. Uh, we hear the message in chapter three, verse four, um, that he didn't want to give. But when he gave it, it, it caused the greatest revival. Make some, this story makes every preacher upset because most preachers, you give a word, you want to see everybody repent. Jonah don't even want to give the message. When he gave it, he hoped that they wouldn't receive it because he wanted them to be judged. And then everybody got saved. He gave the weakest Eight, eight word message. I wish I could walk in here and say eight words and everybody lost get saved. I, you know, that'd be so much easier, you know, but um, it's a lot going on in Jonah's heart. And um, as I've been preparing it, I, I think a lot of it is applicable and relevant to things that we're dealing with today. Uh, in chapter one, we're going to learn about the sovereignty of God, that God is in charge of everything. Uh, we're going to learn not to run from God. Today's message uh, is entitled, you can't, you can't outrun God. And uh, we're going to see that. In chapter two, we're going to learn about how to get right with God when we've messed up. Chapter three, we're going to see how that God gives second chances. And then in chapter four, we're going to look at how that God's ways are not our ways. Uh, many times that what God is doing, we're not going to always understand, comprehend or uh, exactly what God is doing in every situation. So Jonah chapter one, let's look at verses one and two. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Um, so God opens this thing up. It says the word of the Lord came to him. Jonah's a prophet. That's usually how the relationship between God and his spokespeople went. God would tell him what to say, and then they would go say it. And so it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And this is what God's word came to him saying. The first word is arise. God says, I want you to arise and I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. And I want you to cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, anybody that's familiar with the story of Jonah, we, we know that he doesn't go. Uh, he doesn't obey God right away. But I want to, to his credit, I want to I give the background to help us understand maybe why he was so reluctant to go. Um, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria were, they were a very wicked, and they were an exceedingly wicked people. They hated the Jews. They tortured people. If you were, if you were caught by the Assyrians, it, um, in, it's as in secular history as well as 
Um, you know, it was recorded history. They would fillet open people in public. Uh, they had they had come up with all sorts of ways to torture people um, as part of letting you know that we're the Assyrians, we're bad, and we want people to be afraid when we come into town. Um, they were one that they would put. Uh, they were marching people through. If you were captive of the Assyrians, they put a hook in your nose with a chain linked to the person in front of you, and everybody would have you know bronze fetters on like this, hooks in your nose, and they would walk you on chains through other towns. So imagine we don't live in an era like this. So imagine that we're we're Inglewood. Imagine that you know Syria is is Compton. Got got some Compton people here, you know. So imagine that you know Compton just caught some Hawthorne people and they're marching them through like this through Inglewood, and you're looking like dang, like. They got a whole line of grown men with fetters on and hooks in their nose. Like it would produce fear. Like, look at, look at they bad. Look at what they doing. You know, that's what they did. And so they were hated. They were, I mean, people hated them. Now, Jonah's a prophet, but he's human. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a prophet of God. He belongs to the Lord, but he's got some human tendencies and characteristics. And so I want you to keep in mind, if you're Jonah and God were to tell you to a group of people that have, they dog out your countrymen. They are exceedingly wicked. You almost feel like they need to be judged by God. And God says, Jonah, I, I hear the wickedness happening over there. And I want you to go and give them my message. And you know the nature of God. You know that God is merciful. He's all, he's all lovey-gubby. You know he might forgive them. He know he might let them completely off the hook. That's what Jonah's going to be contending with. And so one thing I would challenge you as we begin the book, and I'm going to ask this. I, I'm asking everybody to be honest with yourself, because one thing that this book should break up, if you got any racism in you today, there's anything in you that looks at another group of people and don't love them. If there are groups of people that if God said, I want you to go to that group, you'd be like, nah, nah. I want, if there's a group of people that you feel like they should go to hell. Matter of fact, I hope they go to hell. If you feel that way about anybody, y'all snickering. If y'all feel that way about anybody, right? That's that. Y'all know that's not God's heart. Yes, we know that's not God's heart. Amen. We know it's not God's heart. So if you, if your heart and God's heart are not the same, um, let, let's let Him do surgery. We, we want to find ourselves in alignment with God. It's not okay, right? If you're Christian, is it okay to be a Christian racist? Absolutely not. I don't believe you can be a racist and be a Christian. Throughout history, there have been quote unquote Christians that were racist I think they went to hell I think they went to hell they don't if, if God says how can you love God who you haven't seen and you don't love your brother who you see I think they missed the mark I think they stood before God and I, I think they were part of that that Matthew 7 group that God said I never knew you I never knew you you can't you can't be that and, and know me there can't be any space any room and so I, we live in we're living in a climate right now that is so ooh, it's so funky it's so charged right now. There's so many, this group's mad at that group and that group and this group and that person said this about this group and, and, and then sometimes Christians get caught right up in it and you forget what you really stand for. You forget what you're really supposed to be about. And so I ask you to consider your own heart, your own life. Is there a people group? Are there people that in your household when it's just you and your people, you talk bad about those people among your family? You're wrong for that. You raise your kids to feel a certain kind of way about that group. You say things commonly about another group. You're wrong for that. Like all that kind of stuff. I hope God calls it out and puts it up before you and just says, man, I'm, I'm called to love every group. I'm called to be a representative of Christ to every group. I need to be raising my kids the same way. 
uh, that they might that they wouldn't struggle later on because of junk I put in their head. But that that we would understand that, God, you called me to be a witness to everybody. There'll be some people that it's easier to be a witness to, but I'm called to be a witness to everybody. Amen. All right. So I just want to give you that background. So Nineveh is a jacked up area. The people are exceedingly wicked. It is a great city. Population at this time was over 600,000 people. It's 60 miles wide. Um, It it just was a a, a huge, huge city. And if you want a little bit of a like God pronounces judgment on them in the book of Nahum, another minor prophet. Um, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. Just write it down in your notes. So um, from Jonah, it's it's a few books over. But in Nahum chapter three, verses one through four, I want you to listen to what God says about the people of Nineveh as he's coming to judge them at this point in time. This is one verses one through four of Nahum chapter three. This is what it says. Woe to the bloody city. It is full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs. The noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels of galloping horses of clattering chariots. Horsemen charged with bright sword and glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. <laughs> so many people, they killing so many people, they stumbling over the corpses. Verse four, because of the multitude of the of harlotries, of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries, who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. And later on in verse seven, we know they're talking about Nineveh. It shall come to pass. All who look upon you will flee and say Nineveh is laid waste. God, that's God saying a little bit about Nineveh. It's a jacked up area. It's legitimately wrong. And so what's God's heart for the wicked? Right. And I thought this is so interesting. Look at verse two again. God tells Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. So look at what God does when God's response to the the wickedness of Nineveh coming up to him, right, being made known to him. God's response was to send someone with his word. God's first response wasn't, let's get them. I've heard how wicked they are. I'm a smoke. I heard how terrible they are. Let me judge them. God's first inclination was as their wickedness has come up before me. God, I'm going to send someone with a message that that they might get saved, that they might repent, that they might change. Aren't you glad that in your life and in my life, God's first course of action isn't let's judge them. Let's get them. God's let me send somebody in my life. As I look at how I got saved, I was not looking for God when I got saved. When I got saved, I was living in fornication. I was living with a girl that wasn't my wife. My job, if you call it a job, I sold weed and did credit card scams and would take your stuff if I could get a hold of it. That was how I made a living. I drank every day. That's the condition I was living in. And God came to me right there. He sent a spokesman, my buddy Curtis, to, to live in my apartment upstairs and come down and share the gospel until I got it. Right. I wasn't looking for God. God came looking for me. And so I look back and think, man, God could have judged me. I had heard and rejected the gospel three years earlier. You know, he didn't owe me anything else. But in that moment, in that frame of mind that I was in, God said, I'm coming after you. I'm so glad that God's first thing was, all right, that's it. I'm a judge. Send him to hell. I'm glad I'm not in hell today. I'm glad I'm not somewhere else doing something else. I'm glad he, he sent somebody with a message. So could God send you with that message? Not to your friend, not to your family, not to somebody you love already. Could God send you with that message to someone that mistreats you, don't like you, somebody that don't like your people? Uh, One of the commentators I read on this said sending Jonah to Nineveh 
would have been like, you know, back in the day, sending a Jew over to Nazi Germany after all the stuff had gone down there. That, that's kind of the I mean, it would have been like sending them into that scenario. I want you to go tell them a message that they might be saved. Um, it was that sort of thing. And so um, that's something for everybody to consider. Where's my heart at? Do I am I like the world in which I live? Has the world fit me into its mold? Do I love when I think about who are my people? When you when I when I say that word, my people, what does that mean to you? When you think about who are your people, who are your people? Right? Who are your people? I, y'all don't have to answer me out loud. I'm just want you to think about it. Because some of y'all, your people look just like you. My people are my people, you know. That's for a lot of people. Now I, I relate to my people nationally or, or racially or whatever. In the kingdom, God would say, my brothers and sisters are everybody who who obeys the Lord, everybody who's fallen under the banner of of Christian. Right. Jesus said at one point, who is my mother and my brother and my sisters? You know what he said? Those who do the will of my father in heaven. Right. My family is the family of God. It's not national. Jesus said my family was just the Jewish people. My family is those who obey God. That's how you become. That's how we become family. We've been adopted into the kingdom of God together. So as Christians, we got to have that as a mindset. Right. I am what I am. I don't deny what I am. I love what I am. God made me what I am. I I encourage everybody of every race to embrace what God made you. Love it. You can't change it. You know, saddest thing in the world, if you white and you want to be green, you know, or if you black and want to be yellow, um, I'm black. I got to love being black because I can't can't be nothing else. I'm black, you know, Uh, embrace it. I had to teach my kids that when they were young, you know, my daughter was BJ was looking at. I remember at one point he wanted to he he was little and one of his friends had spiked his hair. He was like, Dad, I want to you can't do that. You can't. You'll never be able to do that, son. You will never be able to spike your hair. But I said, but you can. And I showed him a picture of a fro. And I'm like, none of your friends can do this, though. You know what I'm saying? And uh, if you look at I got some family pictures of BJ when he was about six. Got a big old tapered fro. I'm like, you got something that everybody can't do what you do, son. You know, embrace that. You know, love what you are because you will never be that. You know, that, that's not OK to, to embrace and love what we are, but not to the exclusion of. Amen. Not not so much. I don't love me so much that I don't like y'all or I don't love them or I can't reach out to them. Loving them don't mean I don't appreciate what I am either. You know, it's a, I, I, I look at somebody of different cultures, man, embrace your culture, know your culture, love that. But as a Christian, we, we come into something so much greater than than what we're born into. We're, so it's what we're born again into is greater than what we're born into. Amen. And so moving on. Look at verse three. So God calls Jonah. This is his prophet. He's supposed to go. He should do what God says do. And the first word in verse three is but. And that's how you know it didn't go right. It should have been so Jonah went. Therefore, Jonah and he went ahead. It says but. And that means that it didn't, this is not going to go well. So it says but Jonah arose to flee Tarshish from the presence to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So many mistakes right here in this verse. First is, you know, God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He went Tarshish is the opposite direction as far as you can go. He found a ship going the opposite direction. Jonah's decided, I'm not God. I'm not going to do what you said. Do anybody here ever done it? Don't raise your hand. Anybody here ever knowingly, eyes wide open, God, I know God said, do this, I'm doing that. I know God said, don't go there, I'm going there anyway. Have you ever done that? That's, that's, the, that's what Jonah's doing. I mean, very clear directive, go to Nineveh. Jonah's like, going to Tarshish. I'm not obeying. I'm going the other way. I'm not going to obey you. 
And I titled the message, You Can't Outrun God. You can't run from God, people. If, you, if you're here today running from God for different reasons, you could be running from God's call that you would surrender your life to him for salvation. That's, a, that's an initial call in every person's life. You could be running from the call of God in terms of service and ministry because you want to do something else. You could be running from God's call in so many areas. Everybody here is different. God could be calling you to marriage, calling you to leave something behind, calling you to, calling you from. You know what God's calling you to if you know him and are walking with him. Anybody here running? Don't raise your hand. This is just, I'm asking personal questions. I'm, I'm not trying to bust y'all. I'm running. You know, y'all can come up afterwards. OK, are you running from the Lord in any area? Is there any area of life where God has said, do this, and you're not doing that? You're going the opposite way. I want you to learn from Jonah. It's not going to work out well. I guarantee you. I said, this, you take this as a prophetic word. It's not going to work out for you. It's not going to go well for you. If you run in the opposite direction of what God says, do, it won't go well for you. It won't. I promise. I guarantee it won't go well for you. So, but Jonah went to flee to Tarshish. Notice what it says first. From the presence of the Lord. How dumb is that? How dumb is that? Can you flee from the presence of the Lord? You can't. But do y'all know people try to do that today? You get someone that's wanting to run from God, you know what they do? They don't go to church. I don't want to be in his presence. I don't want to be around his people. They'll flee from people that represent the Lord. Flee away from people that are going to hold them accountable about their walk with the Lord. People flee from his presence today, but you can't. You can never go away from God's presence. If you're writing notes, write down these verses. Write down Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Psalm 139, uh, verses 7 through 12. I'll read it to you real quick. It says this. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. God says, you can't go anywhere where I'm not. Hebrews 4.13, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Jeremiah 23.24, um, there's so many verses, but God is basically saying very clearly, you, you can't escape my presence. We agree on that? Um, you can't get out of God's sight. Uh, I just was thinking about this. Who else tried to, to hide from God? Anybody? Bible, little Bible trivia Sunday morning. Who else in the Bible tried to hide from God? Adam and Eve. What'd they do? Put on some fig leaves like that was going to cover them up. And, uh, and they, you can't hide. God said, Adam, where you at? Oh, we tried to hide and covered up some fig leaves. And, uh, you know, it was, we, God, he saw right through that. that. That's in Genesis 3, 8 through 10. You can't, you can't hide from God. You can't get away. So you might as well face up and deal with it. Jonah tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found the ship going to Tarshish. I want you to notice how that, how convenient rebellion can be at times, right? He's realizing God said, go to Nineveh. No, I'm going to Tarshish. Went down. Whoa, there's a boat going to Tarshish right there. Just happened to be right there, right there. There's a boat going the opposite direction, far, 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 far away. Sometimes when God is calling you to do something great, Something that will have great spiritual consequence. Satan many times will provide you an option to out. A convenient out. That was a convenient out. Boat just sitting there waiting. Woo! He jumped on. 
I thought this was interesting because it said that, you know, he went, it keeps, it keeps saying that he went down and down. You know, he went down to Joppa, it says in verse uh, three. He went down into the, you know, he, he paid the fare and he went down into the, I, I wrote this in my notes. It said Jonah paid a fare. Jonah invested God's resources in his rebellion. That's, if you're a believer, who's, your money belongs to who? Belongs to God. You're a steward of God's resources. Jonah, prophet of God, his resources belong to God. He's a steward. He invested God's resources in his rebellion. Anybody here doing that? Anybody here taking God's money and spending it in, in rebellion? Spending it places you shouldn't spend it? Spending it on stuff that, that's rebellion? And so, right, we're here to build you up, but sometimes you got to be broken down and be built up. If you are investing God's resources in your sin, Buying drugs and stuff with God's resources, going to places that you don't belong with God's resources. You name it. Y'all know what y'all do. Right. If that's what you're doing today, you just should just right now say, I'm blessed. I repent. God, I'm sorry. I repent. That might be why you always broke. God's like, look, you're a bad steward. I give you a couple dollars. Look, how you use it. You, you, you killing yourself with, with, with my resources. Stop that mess. All right. Moving on. So Jonah took God's resources and he paid the fare. God's money. I'm using your money, God, to sin against you, to not obey you, to go the opposite direction. Now, verse four, it says, but the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that so that the ship was about to be broken up. And so God responds to Jonah's rebellion. Jonah, it said, but God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. It said, but Jonah went the other way. And so God says, no, no, no. So then it says, but the Lord. The Lord's like, no, I'm, I'm sovereign. I'm in charge of everything, right? You're on my planet. You can get in a boat going the opposite direction, but I'm the God of the sea. I own, I own everything. And so God sent a storm. God sent a storm to, you know, rickety rack that little boat that Jonah was on. And a couple of things I would point out here, right? Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And we'll see as we go that he wanted them to perish. He wanted them to be judged. He didn't want to go bring a message of forgiveness and hope. God was, Jonah was willing that they would perish, but God was not willing that they should perish. And it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. There's not anybody that God is written off or wants judgment for him. God would forgive anybody that would come to him. Now, as Jonah seeks to outrun God, he gets on a boat uh, going in the opposite direction. God sends a storm. This teaches us that God does at times sends. God sometimes does send storms uh, of correction into our life. Sometimes we're going through stuff because of our rebellion. Right? God will allow a storm to erupt because, look, you're just going the wrong way. And I'm, I'm sending this storm to shake you up, to pause you, to cause you to, to stop and consider what you're doing. Not all storms are a correction, but sometimes they are. Sometimes, I mean, God, there's, in the gospel, there are times where God let there, there were storms. He was showing the disciples how, who he was and, you know, causing them to have greater faith. But there are times when God sends storms of correction. What you're doing is so wrong that in my mercy and my love and my concern and my involvement in your life, I'm going to cause a storm so that you'll look up. You'll, you'll know when the storm comes, why it's there. You'll know what's going on. And so God sends a storm. It says a great tempest. Uh, you know, the, the water was, you know, the water, the wind, everything else while you're in a boat. It says the boat was about to be, the ship was about to be broken up. I've been in a boat that was, you know, kind of, Harsh waters, but I've never been in a boat that was about to be broken up. But I, I would imagine if you're out in the middle of the sea and you're in a boat that's getting beat up and about to be broken up, I'd imagine that would be a scary thing. And so look at verse five. Then the mariners that uh, were afraid, the mariners are all the other people on the boat that Jonah's on. 
just to note, these are non-believers. These are pagan mariners. We'll see. The mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and they threw cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. So these non-believing mariners on the boat, when they saw what was happening, they were afraid. They start calling out to their gods. But what happens when your God is not really a God? You call out to him and what happens? That's everybody around you that don't know the, the true living God. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed any part of this message or want to explore more of Pastor Bill's messages, visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You'll also find links to our app. This way you can take biblical teaching and God's Word with you wherever you go. You can simply click on the link at our website or search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our services are held on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 and on Wednesday evenings at 7. And you're welcome to attend any and all of them. We'll spend time diving deeper into God's Word, worshiping our Savior, and just getting to know one another better. We'd be honored to have you join us. And if you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org or feel free to text. You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Jonah. There's much to learn and to apply to your life today, even though Jonah's story took place long ago. That's the beauty of the Bible. God's Word is timeless. Feel free to read ahead and be sure to join us again right here on A Transforming Word.